This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by Bella Sante Health, where they pride themselves in creating some of the finest CBD products that are out there on the market. Doctor recommended and third-party tested, and they have registered nurse on staff that can help you with all of your consultation needs. They utilize 99.9% pure hemp isolate grown in Colorado, and with less than 0.3% THC, their CBD products are legal in all 50 states. Bellasante was founded in Tucson, Arizona, and they have a scientific approach to health and commitment to excellence in everything that they do. They formulate pure, organic, single-origin, and third-party lab-tested CBD health, wellness, and beauty products that are referred by doctors, wellness professionals, and veterinarians. They have a certified RN on staff, and they now offer free one-on-one consultations for each patient so that they can help you find what works best for you and your ailments. They have the highest quality in CBD hemp products, as well as exceptional customer service. I have been using their CBD products for anxiety, for depression, and for all of my medical and wellness needs. When you call, they follow all HIPAA compliances and everything is private. They will ask you all of your information from your weight to your height, and then what you're needing in your CBD products. Everything is special and made just for you. Make sure you visit their wellness website at bellasantehealth.com and make sure to mention this episode of the little bit of life podcast with the code little bit and receive 20% off of your customized CBD products. Again, make sure you visit them at bellasantehealth.com and mention the code little bit for 20% off of all of your needs today. Welcome to little bit of life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast here with your host, Little. I am so excited for today's episode. I know you guys have been waiting and I have kept you waiting. This episode has a very special guest on with me today. His name is Nick Thompson. You have seen the reality show Love is Blind, especially season two. It happened when COVID hit. We were all locked in and we were all looking at reality TV. But what really happens in those pods and what happens in real life when the cameras turn off when the show choose to edit their characters and how does that really affect those that were on the show nick and i talk about everything from what happened in the pods how he got on the show love is blind what happened after the cameras shut off and the big question how does reality tv really affect mental health It went so far as to talking about his new nonprofit called the You Can Foundation, which is providing mental health and legal assistance to reality TV stars. Trust me, you don't want to miss this episode. Sit back, dive in, and let's get started today with Nick Thompson. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, a little bit of Life Podcast with your host, Little. If you have been under a rock, guess what? You need to go watch Love is Blind. There's four different seasons, but we're focusing on season two because we have Nick Thompson that is joining us today. How is it going? It's really good to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's it's going pretty good. Uh, it's going all right. How about you? Good. 
It's good. I uh, I was a fan of the show, but I have to say I was not a fan of all of the contestants, but not just because you're on. I was a fan of you because you just seemed so solid in your true self all the way through the season. But we're diving in to talk about reality TV and what comes with that mental health. When you think about those two things, you may be surprised that they have to go together. It is extremely important. So to start from the beginning, what made you sign up and go on Love is Blind? Take us back to that time. Yeah, so I, um, I've i told this before, so I'll keep some of this maybe brief for some, but um, I was reached out to on LinkedIn in November of 2020 uh, by someone asking me if I was single. And I initially was like, okay, wow, we're now sliding into DMs on LinkedIn too? <laughs> cool. But um, turns out she was casting for Love is Blind season two here in Chicago. And uh, so I, I didn't really watch reality TV. I had heard of that show just because everyone watched it at the beginning of COVID. Uh, so I took the call. Um, and then after that, um, and, and the sell was, this is actually not like other reality shows. This is a psychologically backed experience that we know helps people find love. And we don't cast people that are looking for clout or influencers. We cast real people. And we go out of our way to make sure that we do that. Um, and then everybody's psych eval and everyone, you know, must must pass that to get on on this show. And so I thought to myself, okay, let me go back and watch season one. And of course, you know, the Barnetts and Lauren and Cameron from season one um, were the two married couples. And I, you know, I talked to the the Barnetts one time. I think they're they're solid, like people solid together, despite what you might have thought uh, coming out of the show. But I was really inspired by the idea that all of the outside distractions of dating are are sort of removed. And my critiques of dating uh, pre-show with apps and just in real life was that everybody's just kind of like going through the motions. No one's taking the time to get to know anybody. Nobody's, um, you know, giving anyone the benefit of the doubt. It's I have an endless swipe of opportunities here and I'm, I'm not going to really give the attention or want to be committal or anything like that. So I thought about this and I watched the show and... I was like, you know what, this eliminates like most of my critiques of dating. And, you know, I can, I can have a conversation with just about anybody. And the idea of having it behind a wall um, just seemed like you could probably be a little more um, direct uh, and, and not play games because in theory, everyone's there for the right reasons. So that that's kind of what made me go on. Um, I always jokingly say I like kind of sleepwalked into it because it, <laughs> it just kept here's another interview. Here's the psych evaluation. And then, you know, my therapist that I've been working with for four years at the time <clears throat> also wanted to make sure that this was a good move for me. So she talked to the show psychologist that did my psych evaluation just to get some other clarifying answers on how authentic and genuine in the casting process uh, so that I didn't get any, um, I didn't set myself back at all <laughs> doing something like this. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, then all of a sudden it was just like I got the call and they're like, You've been cast. And I was like, Okay. They're like, Do you have questions? I'm like, No, is that weird? Like this I <laughs> wasn't expecting this. I'm I'm boring. Like I have my, you know, for the most part, I have a lot of my stuff together. And as you said, I appreciate you saying this, like I know who I am and it was mm -hmm. very clear that you're not gonna be able to just manipulate me into saying and doing things that are out of my character. And so I, I do feel like the one badge of honor that I, I have out of this is that I've never stepped foot 
outside of who I am. I'm the same person I was before, during, and after, uh, aside from some lovely new mental health challenges that came out of it. But <laughs> How was it in the pods? I know we, for those that have watched the show, and if you follow his Instagram, and if you don't, you definitely need to now, because uh, you're missing out. You really talk about how you were treated within the show and within the pods, which watching it, we never would have even imagined that that's what you go through. We only get little clips. And as we say, reality TV is based on a story. And when you think about what a story is, somebody has to write the story. So I think the main question is, is as you presenting yourself for who you truly are, are you able to write that story or do you think it's already pre-written and how you're treated when you know, you're know you in production? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm, I'm now having gone through this under the impression that they have certain types of folks that they want to cast on both sides, men and women. And they cast a few people that can fill that role. And then whoever ends up filling it is the one that stays on the show and whoever doesn't. Um, those are the ones that go home. But mm. that being said, you do have some sense of, especially in the pods for us, we didn't use very many of the prompts because you would get some conversation prompts. We didn't use many of them. It was very authentic uh, conversation. It was very like instant from the minute that we started talking. There was a connection. I was ready to go home after uh, probably 11 <laughs> or 12 of the 15 before Danielle, I was, I was thinking to myself, not that there's anything wrong with anyone, but like, I just wasn't clicking with anyone. Mm -hmm. But, um, after that, like we kind of just had our own conversations, did our own thing, um, and, and had some fun along the way. But once you get out of there, like you're really put in and even for some people in the pods, they're put in specific situations that you may or may not be in in real life. And I think that's where it it creates this like pressure cooker environment, um, you know, where it's like you're you're on a date on a Monday and you're maybe like not that's not something you would do on a Monday. And, you know, you're decompressing from the weekend and it's and it's just that type of stuff where you're just off your schedule, mm -hmm. you're, you're doing things that they're telling you to do at places they're telling you to go, having conversations they're telling you to have. And, um, it, you know, that's where it kind of gets a little, I don't want to say off the rails, but I think for some it does, it goes off the rails, but that's kind of where you, you get to the what's real and, and what's not like they mm -hmm. predetermine some of the scenes. When we talk about the show Love is Blind, it's in it's just amazing to me when like you said, it takes kind of that pressure off of the dating, of the swiping, of this person has the color hair but not the height, they're not the job. I mean, it literally just makes you sell your soul from behind a wall and really get to not only know the person that you're trying to possibly connect with, but it allows you to get to kind of know yourself. And I think it's very interesting, especially watching your season back. I highly suggest if you've watched the season, go watch it back. You're going to learn a lot about kind of the dynamic. You really stand up for yourself a lot, which I really admire because I feel like with reality TV, they want you to follow a script. And there's many times you can sense your frustration and you can feel that frustration of this is me. And you really see that you're trying to pull yourself out of the scenario you were placed in and put yourself back into real life. Probably while there's a camera like right in mm -hmm. your face, which has to be hard. Yeah, it's very difficult. Um, and I, I think to myself, there's a few times that stand out. Um, one of them was they wanted, I have student loans. Danielle did not have student loans. They wanted us to talk about that. I'm like, I have them. I don't care that I have them. <laughs> and she's like, I don't have them. I don't care that he has them. Everyone has them. And they kept trying to make us talk about it. 
And it's like, this conversation is not going to go anywhere because neither of us care about this. Yeah. And, you know, there was another, <clears throat> another funny scene where like, I have an inversion table, um, uh -huh. which I swear by for anyone who, who, who's ever considered <laughs> it, they are life changing. Um, and they wanted to make like this whole funny storyline out of it and like have me do one of my interviews like while on it. And I'm just like, I would never do that. And also like, I'm, I have like a career, like I'm, I'm you're not going to make me come <laughs> off like some weird creep yeah. um, with what they were trying to do. So like I push back and say no on that stuff. And you're to your point of like, no, I'm going to pull this back to my reality. Like I, I always say until I came back to my reality, like it's not, it hasn't been the same. Um, you know, I hadn't been the same. I was around people that I probably wouldn't, you know, have associated myself with, um, you know, in real life, again, not that there's anything wrong. We just have different things that we like to do, different values, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think there's that sense of like trying to ground yourself in reality mm -hmm. while this is going on. So you don't get swept up in saying or doing something that you maybe wouldn't normally say or do. Mm -hmm. On the show, you came across as very, the only way I can express is very adult-like. With the show, they come across <laughs> as playful and we're here for fun. I mean, it's interesting because so many of us watch and we're like, what happens to your career, your job, your apartment, your friends, your family, what, your dog? What happens to actual real life when you're going through this experiment, so to speak? And then you come out and you're like, oh, I've arrived back. Like, how do you kind of fit in, especially with mental health, fitting into your life when you come out of such a drastic experience that so many of us, we will never get to experience, nor I don't think some of us would want to experience. Mm -mm. So <clears throat> you're in the pods and then in Mexico for three weeks. You don't have any phone. You don't have any connection to the outside world. Um, I remember literally thinking to myself, I'm like, World War Three could start and we wouldn't know and they would just keep filming and not tell us. Mm -hmm. And that <laughs> that to me is, is like part of what makes it work, but also part of what's scary. And I was leading um, the entire marketing department at my software company at the time. Uh, even the day before leaving, I was, I mean, my time was approved for three weeks. It was a Swedish company. They didn't really think anything of it. I don't know how people would do that with an American company. Mm -hmm. um, but I was leading a marketing team of, of 16 people by myself um, because we had some, some job openings. And I remember thinking the day before, I'm like, I can't leave. There's no way that they're going to be able to like function for three weeks without a leader. Mm -hmm. And you know, no one else in, in the company had the, the marketing expertise at the time that I did. Uh, so I, I was very nervous and giving up my phone and my access to email, my access to my team. And I put a lot of effort into my career. Like my career was my identity for a long time and, um, giving them like my producer's phone number, but not being able to tell them what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I came up with this, I'm going on a retreat thing and <laughs> told everyone that's what I was doing, except my closest friends and sisters. And then you come back and you're in a new apartment that's, you know, for, from the show and you're all of a sudden work is like, wait, what's that? Oh. And then it's like, oh yeah, I have a girlfriend now. It's like, what is like <laughs> yeah. all of this, this stuff going on. And then, you know, you tell your family and stuff, but you, you can't openly broadcast it. 
-hmm. you have to be hesitant on what you put on social media. Like you could do stories and stuff like that because they expire and, you know, the world's a big place and nobody knows outside of your circle, no matter how big you think your circle is, it's very small. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of like come back and then you just get dropped back into reality the day after the wedding. And, um, you know, you're just like, okay, well now what? Hmm. Do you feel that it kind of almost made you bond a little bit with people from the cast because they went through the process with you and they were kind of understanding of your feelings? Because I feel like so many of you on your season, you guys were so opposite. Like the males were opposite, the females were opposite. So I can't imagine kind of being thrown into this pool of different personalities and you being career driven of how do I get along with these people, but yet they still understand what (laughs) I'm going through, even when like my family and friends might not get it. There's a definite trauma bond that happens um, between cast members. And I think it's brought in, brought some closer than others. It's wedged some as well. So I remember like walking into the lounge on the first day and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, there's about two people here that I would even like probably talk to in real life. And then there was Shane. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. guy is too much. He's going to get on my nerves. I'm not going to be able to handle it. And then he's <laughs> he became one of my best friends out of the show. So it's kind of ironic in that way because when you when you actually mm-hmm. get to know people as opposed to like that initial judgment, that's really when you um, that's really when you can like form a friendship. So with the show, it's interesting to watch when you leave this beautiful vacation, which I mean, it's in reality, when we're on vacation, we kind of shut off and we shut kind of our fears and everything that's going on within our heads. Then you come home and you're forced into an apartment living with someone that you know, but kind of not really on the normal spectrum of dating. That apartment looked so confining and just something where I i mean, the vibe I got was you're really thrown into something and you are stuck. Like you are absolutely stuck. So with the process of being on reality TV, then you get married. And then after the wedding, what was your family's perspective of the experiment, so to speak, that you were doing? Were they supportive or they're like, you have lost your mind? <laughs> Well, there's, there's three sides to that. So I, my sisters, um, I don't have a car. I live in Chicago. My sisters came to pick me up for Easter Sunday, which was maybe two weeks before, um, I was leaving. Mm -hmm. And so I told them and they were just kind of like, Oh, I could see this working for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe this is, yeah, maybe this is good for you. Um, some of my some of my closest friends were like, this is not a good idea for you. Like others were like, this is the perfect way for you. Um, I didn't tell my mom or dad because if I just went and it was, you know, in and out, I'm like, mm-hmm. why why put myself through having to explain this to them? Yeah. <laughs> it was really my it was really my view. And I remember when I got back, um my sisters I told them, all right, you gotta kinda like prep mom, like don't tell her anything, but like prep her something is coming so she doesn't go crazy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was, I was nervous to tell her, but her response was way different than I anticipated. And she was just like, well, I'm here for whatever you need. Like, wow. cause it's like, do you want to be on the show? Like, do you want to? And then I was terrified to tell my dad. And so when I called him, I waited like two days, maybe a little longer <laughs> to call him. And my sisters were like, he knows something's up. Like it's, you just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I called him and, um, I explained the concept to him and he was like, oh, so this isn't one of those shows where you're just out there like having orgies. I'm like, (laughs) 
no, it's not. Like I met one person and then we have, it's just been us. Mm -hmm. Um, So then he was like, oh, he's like, okay, I could kind of see how that would work. And so then it was, it kind of disarmed him and, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to, I don't know if this is to Danielle's credit, like my family loved her. They thought she was um, amazing. My sisters loved her, um, loved being able to kind of have, I guess a, a sister in a sense and like go mm-hmm. out and, and have someone to do that. Um, you know, I know she bonded very much. So with my dad's side of the family too. So, it, you know, it was, everyone was very open and everyone was very accepting. And I think too, like for all of our issues that we had, when people did see us together, like they got it, like you could kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, I think a big deal in, in my family accepting her. Hmm. With reality TV, your business is out there. Whether you post it or a fan posts it or the crazy ones that go digging and digging for pretty much what your first car was when you turned 16, anything that you got in oh, trouble with. they went with. through our Venmo transactions. Once the cast was announced, they went through our Venmo transactions. We all had to put our Venmos private. Wow. And there was this whole like, oh, Danielle's sister paid Nick on Venmo. And like, I'm like, holy cow. It was so crazy. People have that much time on their hands. That's really scary. That's what I say. Wow. You know, when this show came out, I was like, I wasn't sure I was going to feel, but my whole thought process was like, this is hilarious. These people have nothing better to do. People are this invested. I, I mean, I just couldn't help but laugh. Wow. Wow. So how is it when you end up, and unfortunately you and Danielle, you split. So how does that work? Because I feel like, especially with reality TV, people are nosy and not in a good way. And then they almost take sides without knowing either one of you. So how was that with, you know, everything coming out and especially working through mental health? Did that really kind of affect you? Because you almost feel like you have to stand up for yourself and be your own advocate. (laughs) Well, this is, I mean, that's absolutely true. And I, I will say like the divorce, the announcement, the commentary, you know, stuff that she said that wasn't a fair representation or accurate, all of that stuff takes such a toll on you. Um, you know, and, and I had, I haven't talked about this, but I'll talk about it. I had asked for a few weeks uh, from her to kind of find myself because I felt like I had lost myself mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. And so we were arguing a lot about a lot of things. Uh, we had really, we had really just struggled uh, most of the time. And it's not for a lack of love, I, I don't think. Um, but I wasn't expecting, I mean, I guess in a sense I was, but I asked for a few weeks. I said, I'm not changing my mind. I'm not taking any action. And on my end, like you, whatever you need to do, you're going to do it anyway, go for it. Um, so then when I got served and I was like, okay, so I guess that we're really like, we're really going to do this. Um, and then the worst part was TMZ leaked it a few days later. Like I, I was spinning and I hadn't told my family, um, you know, I told my best friend, but that was about it. And, um, you know, some of them knew we were having issues, but they didn't know that about the divorce. And then it leaked on TMZ. I remember I woke up, I've got texts from my mom. I've got texts from friends. I got calls. I've got, um, you know, the media being like, do you have a comment on this? Like all that stuff. And it was just brutal. Um, and, and you didn't even, you didn't even get to like, I didn't even, I'm still processing it. Like mm-hmm. it's, 
it, you don't even get to process. It's happening so fast. People are passing judgment. I had a friend, um, the next week in town from England that I hadn't seen in five years. Um, and she and a couple of my friends went out to brunch and there was this entire Reddit thread that, oh, this is what happened. Nick must have cheated. And then it got pushed online. And then I started getting all the hate messages and all the DMs and all the comments that I'm a cheater and all this stuff. And it's just like, because I have a friend in town and it's not wow. like I was careful enough to not really go anywhere, just her. Mm-hmm. So it it was always in a group and people still think that they know and they have no idea. And people think that they know what the marriage was like or how this all went down and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's hard to, to sit there and, and not speak, you know, the truth of your experience and what happened. Um, but you know, I, I kind of live by the, the motto that, um, you, you know, you don't have to tell your side of the story, like the truth wins out. And, um, you know, I, I, in the hardest of times, I just reminded myself, it's not in my character to talk and disparage people. I, I will talk about ideas, but I will not talk about people and I will not say something bad about people. Um, that is, is, is damaging. So, you know, I just kept reminding myself of that, reminding myself that like, this is not the way someone projects your identity from social media that doesn't know you. Um, you know, that does not define you. And to this day, I have to remind myself of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's kind of, you don't have a choice. It's that or you just completely crumble. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I completely crumbled a few times as well. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, that, it's not easy and you can't prep for it. Mm-hmm. And you can't prep for what people are going to say or what people are going to do. And you just got to know the truth and know, um, know that you are who you are and not who these people say you are. Mm-hmm. You're such a good guy. Like you come across as such a good guy on on TV, but you come across as very, I, I can't imagine. You have to feel like you have to defend yourself and you're always on guard with complete strangers that are going to judge your every move. When we talk about reality TV and creators and social media and all of us that are in this bubble nowadays, it's, I always say you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. Everybody either wants less of you or more of you. They can never just accept you for who you are and what you're just giving your life is public. If For listeners, mm-hmm. if you sit there and imagine where you get your coffee, what kind of coffee you order, what you're spending, who, who you're spending time with, if that was always under a microscope, when we talk about that with mental health, it is so draining and it's so impactful because you feel like you're on edge all the time. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I will say that that is something that was difficult at first, um, because when the show comes out and everyone, and that's the thing, it's, it's different than like a Hollywood actor, actress, mm-hmm. because a lot of times people will be too intimidated to go up to them. Um, and actually this is from Oliver Hudson. He told me this last year on the red carpet and the iHeart Music <laughs> Awards. He was like, they'll all come up to you cause they think they know you because they've watched, you know, a couple weeks of your life. It's like, they'll never come up to me because to them I'm, you know, I'm Hollywood and, mm-hmm. and elite. And so he's like, so you'll always have people that are always just coming up to you because they think they know you. And that was the hardest thing to, to just sort of navigate because you're not used to going to the grocery store and three people stopping you or asking for pictures or, you know, God forbid the two of us, when we would go out together, it would be insane. There was a art fest we went to last summer and I think we took no less than a hundred photos in an hour. It was 
and that's fine. Like I, anyone listening, like if, if you want to say hi, I'm totally here for it. So don't, don't think that, but <laughs> it's an adjustment period to, mm-hmm. to, to get to that point of understanding. Um, you know, and even, even now, like I get recognized and Chicago is very prideful. So we're, we have a lot of pride about all, all things that happen in Chicago from sports down to what shows film here. Mm-hmm. So there's always sort of that, um, hometown vibe here mm-hmm. that is um that you just deal with which is which is fine it's fun with reality tv when you think about it it's always that dreaded sentence that everybody says oh you know what you signed up for i can't stand that comment it is not supportive it is not positive it is not effective because like you said you can go in and have a scripted reality show and you're still not going to come out exactly how you want to be represented have you kind of gotten this backlash of well you signed up for it and now you're you're showing your life all over social media i can't stand that i think it is such a degrading comment to make for those people that you chose to do this not to get famous not to get the money you chose this because it was something you felt fit in your life at the moment that you signed up for the casting. That's exactly it. I, I, all you have to do is go check out the comments on anything I ever post that's negative about the experience. And that's what you'll hear. Well, Mm -hmm. you signed up for it. You know what I signed up for? A psychological experiment that was psychologically evaluating people that all people that were ready for love, all people that were ready for marriage, my, my, as I said earlier, like my therapist evaluated the the process as well. Um, and I signed up to, to, you know, possibly find love. I didn't, I don't, I would find it hard pressed because people are now saying I started a not-for-profit to get famous, which is like, you know, I, I'm kind of, I have a hard time not being too snarky there where it's like, Hey, I'm already famous and nobody <laughs> gets more famous or rich from a not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which by the way, like it's all volunteer, my own money. Jeremy's mm-hmm. own money, all volunteer. But um, I didn't sign up to not have food and water at access at my time. I did not sign up for, you know, isolation in a hotel room for days at a time. I did not sign up. Um, I was very clear. I have some dietary restrictions and preferences and, you know, I, I intermittent fast. So like I, I don't eat breakfast. I mm-hmm. sometimes just do one meal a day. And I was just very clear. I'm like, I just need to be able to sustain this for my mental health, for my physical health. And it was, it might as well fallen on deaf ears. So there were days where it would be like, all I could eat was salad and all I could drink was alcohol or, um, you know, two bottles of water when I drink like over a gallon of water a day. And it's just, it's just not what you sign up for. And then the idea that there's a price that that's the price you pay for the fame of a reality star. I find I, I challenge anyone to really look at anything that I've done since this has happened. That is a cry for fame or that is me trying to be famous or me trying to be an influencer. Like I'm just trying to use my platform to help people and to, to share like things that I've learned and share my experience. So maybe it can help somebody else. And I just think it's so disingenuous for people to say you signed up to be mistreated. You signed up to, to be basically say you signed up to be famous and whatever comes at that, like that's the price you pay. That's, that's not the not, case for me. No. And with the You Can Foundation, it's the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. So it's helping those in mental health and legal needs of those in reality TV. And for those that say, oh, well, you're doing this to be famous, 
To start a nonprofit that deals and circles around mental health, mental health is not something that makes you famous, especially nowadays as a male. Talking about mental health has always been a big no-go. It's you're a male, you can't express your feelings, you can't talk about it, you can't discuss your struggles because it makes you weak, it makes you less than. And that's something that the more we talk about mental health awareness, it's allowing that to be acceptable for men to talk about the same as women. I think it is... So we've come a long way, but man, we have a long way to go a long way because with women, it's talk about your feelings, express your feelings. But when a male figure does it, it's, oh, you're weak. Or I mean, it's so sad because so many then question your sexuality preference. I mean, it's so degrading. It's so ridiculous. It's degrading. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you came out with this foundation, I'm amazed. I'm so interested to know because I know it's not just you and reality TV and it's not just love is blind. There is so much more out there that people are now probably coming and expressing that we have found a place that we can be appreciated, heard and listened to because it's a huge difference and supported because in mental health, that has to be the main basis and foundation is you need to be heard. You need to be listened to because those are two different things of understanding and you need a place of support. Maybe somebody didn't go through exactly what you went through on the show, but in reality TV, you guys are kind of all, like you said, trauma bonded together. Yeah. So I, I'll share this here. Um, I have had to, I have received over 20 DMs from reality show contestants, and it's not just love shows. It's across food shows. It's across you know, uh, dating shows, marriage shows, of course. It's across um, game shows. I have received so many DMs that I have to like do one or two at a time because I can't, I can't, I, I, and again, like I empathize with them, but like, it's a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, and to hear, you know, someone was sexually assaulted and then given security and said, we got to keep filming or to hear that someone uh, was on their fifth food show network or food I don't know if it was Food Network, Food Show, and started experiencing panic attacks. And it's been a year and she's still having panic attacks and still needs excessive therapy because of what it did to her. Or hearing from some of uh, former Love is Blind cast too, and hearing from them and and going down to Atlanta where season one filmed and met some of the, the people that you know, even were there for just a few days and had, you know, someone had their first panic attack and still has panic attacks, never had it before. I, you know, went and and met some people that are currently filming in North Carolina and just hearing the stuff that goes on. It's like inhumane. Mm -hmm. Like we have come so far in labor practices and we have a long way to go, but like we can't be forcing people to be filming a reality show 20 hours a day while having a panic attack, now developing specific mental health challenges. Like I had my first panic attack last fall. I've never had a panic attack. And I, I just remember like, I couldn't breathe. I like, didn't know what to do. And, you know, I've developed like a gag reflex now when I think about certain things related to the show, that's another thing I've never had before. I didn't know that was a symptom of anxiety, but, but it is. And, um, you know, knowing that there's so much suffering out there, way more than I probably even can comprehend and imagine. Mm-hmm. It's just so awful to me. And I can't sit back and just say, okay, I accept that this happened and I accept this continues to happen. That's not who I am. 
Um, and you know, I used to say when I was younger, somebody should say something when I see something wrong. And there was a point in life where I'm like, well, you know what, I'm going to be the person that says something. And that's why we started the UCAN foundation. It seems like they do a lot of prep work from what you've talked about on this episode of, you know, kind of seeing where you mentally are and evaluating you before when you're in the casting and kind of in that opening scene of the episodes did they carry that through the recording and all the way through the process? Or was it kind of like, okay, yeah, you fit the mold, you're off and running. And then once the show's over, like, did you kind of have to find that fit? Because you said you went to therapy beforehand. So do they help guide you in mental health during that process? Or is it kind of like one and done, you're good to go? So they they tell you, and it's in our contract. And this is where, this is where again, People speak, they have no idea what they're talking about. They can't do the tiniest bit of research before they start running their mouth about something they know nothing about. But mm-hmm. um, in our contract, it states that there is um, therapy support. I believe it's up to $5,000 post-show. Um, they, to- they told me and my therapist that there's mental health professionals on set, um, which anyone who watched season two and saw what happened in Mexico um, with Danielle and I, they separated us, um, with some stupid COVID protocol that made no sense. She had an anxiety attack. They forced us to film. They sent me in there to talk to her. I did not know she had a panic attack. Nobody told me, Uh, all they said was she's not mic'd, So stay close to her and sent me in there. And then as soon as I realized what was going on and that she wasn't okay, and she wasn't, um, the person that I had known thus far, I took off my microphone. I said, we're done filming. I threw it out at the producers and said, we're leaving. And, um, they talked us out of it. And there's also, you know, a $50,000 fee and damages if you leave early. Um, so people who are just like, Oh, you just should have left. Well, you've got that in your head. Um, you know, you got all hands on deck coming in from the producers there. And then to me, if ever there was an opportunity for that mental health professional or psychologist to show themselves, wouldn't it be when someone has a panic attack? Mm-hmm. And then post-show, um, I tried. I reached out to multiple people. I tried getting help for us. We couldn't. When we finally realized, like, we have to get into counseling, um, you know, quick, we couldn't find one. We ended up using... Um, we ended up using trying one that uh, she had used in her past. Um, then we tried a recommendation from my therapist, and then we finally were able to find one, but we couldn't get any support to even find one. And it's not that easy post-COVID because so many people, thankfully, are, are in um, therapy. But that means that there's not enough therapists to, to help. And so everybody was, was full. We couldn't find help, and there wasn't any support that came from from anyone on the production side, despite them saying that they, they provide that. Wow. It sounds like they basically sent you in to be her therapist when in all reality, you both needed a therapist in that moment at that time. One, so you knew how to effectively assist her, but also keep yourself as sane and, you know, as mentally safe as possible in that moment. And she needed somebody. So yeah. Where, where was that therapy that was supposed to show up? That's the amazing thing. And I, the thing is, is I didn't want to go to that party without her. Like I would have rather stayed there with her. And we had, you know, the day before there was a COVID, um, outbreak. So we didn't film and she and I just spent the whole day together and it was like the best day. Like, I I don't even, I don't even know if we would have made it as far as we did without that day. Cause it was so good for us. Um, and then in that moment, 
when I said I will go, but like, it's going to give Danielle anxiety, obviously. Like, can you please bring our favorite producer who was an associate producer that we both really liked and was very calming and very real. And I'm like, can you just make sure she's like available outside the door for Danielle if she needs someone to talk to? So she's not just sitting here in her head Mm -hmm. while she's, you know, naturally going to have FOMO missing out on the couple's reveal party and wondering what is, what is this going to look like? How are they going to edit this? And, um, then did, when I came back, they didn't even like, again, they didn't tell me she had a panic attack. They said, go talk about what happened at the couple's party. And I had no idea. So it, it's just, it's just gross. Um, and I do think like most of what you see, I, I believe is, um, is us yelling more at producers than each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is there and a few other times, if there was a counselor on staff, and they could have helped us navigate some of these conflicts because of the high pressure. And we could build healthy habits instead of toxic ones that producers are getting for good TV. Um, things would would have maybe been different. Mm-hmm. And maybe we would have come out of there with, with some healthy ways to communicate and some healthy ways to navigate conflict instead of um, what you saw because producers were trying to get drama. And then another last bit, so we each had a a personal producer coming into the show. And then once we got engaged, they brought a new one in from another show and he didn't know us. He didn't see any of the footage. He didn't watch our relationship or anything. And I feel like that was incredibly damaging to our relationship because we were being thrusted into conversations and situations and, and scenes for lack of a better word that were just not, our relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was something at the time that we were kind of like, this is weird, but okay, whatever, maybe this is just how it works. But even that it was, um, I think it was, you know, done deliberately because, um, well, I don't even know to, to pry on insecurities and cause drama. You can sense a shift. I would say it was probably, Maybe three or four episodes till the end, you can sense like the shift where you guys are working together. But like you said, you're almost projecting to that outside of, you know, this is how we are. We're trying to work together. And you it's almost like you're struggling. It's five steps forward, 10 steps back, five steps, mm-hmm. because you're finding that balance. And I love what you talked about. Getting therapy is really hard. There's probably a lot of listeners, you know, that are in regular normal society and then also reality TV. You have to find somebody, one, that you're comfortable with, you feel safe with talking with. It's not always the first person, the second person, the fifth mm-hmm. person. And then dealing with insurance nowadays is so difficult because you're always feeling, again, five steps forward, 10 steps back. Getting to that part where you're ready to get therapy, talk about your mental health, that is a massive, massive step. But then going further, like with you in reality TV, everything about your life, everyone feels that they deserve to know everything about you. You signed up for this. The rest of your life from here on out, we want to know what you're eating, where you're at, who you're dating. I can't even begin to imagine the future because when you and Danielle got the divorce, (laughs) it's always going to be that under the microscope. So knowing what you know now, would would you sign up again if somebody asked you, Knowing kind of the scenario that puts you into this mental health stage, was it worth it? And was it something that you would highly suggest somebody to do now? Um, so there's multi layers to that. I I will I don't want to discount my marriage, but mm-hmm. looking back and thinking about this mental state I was in before uh versus everything that's happened since and having this um 
you know, I, I've always suffered from depression and I remember it five or six years old was the first times I started having these, these feelings of kind of hopelessness and is it ever going to get better? And it took me a long time to even understand what that was. I just thought there was something wrong with me. Um, and I was wired different. Like I, I would just make excuses. And as I understood um, in high school, I started to learn more about mental health and anxiety and depression. And um, then I was just like, okay, so I, I have this, I tried, you know, medications and stuff and some of them work better than others. At, at, but ultimately what I felt like was I need to, I need to like understand myself better. I need to, um, you know, be less reactive. My whole family's very reactive and I didn't want to be like that. Like I don't want to live my life on eggshells. And so when I finally got into therapy, when I was like 31, maybe it was this, it was a, a real moment of I'm either going to live the rest of my life uneasy and on eggshells and angry and frustrated and no, no calm, or I'm going to break that you know, generational trauma. And I'm going to learn about myself and put what boundaries I need in place. And it was, you know, it took time and I'm learning again, <laughs> but it makes such a difference, um, to have that kind of structure in place and to know that like some people aren't meant for me and I don't have to take on, you know, everybody's problems all the time. And I don't have to pretend that everything's fine all the time. And, you know, I don't have to go, you know, all, to every family gathering every weekend. And, and, you know, those things just really helped me get to a better state. So when I think about how I was, um, then I, and I worry, I, I think all the time, I'm like, am I ever going to feel the same? Yeah. Am I ever going to feel the same? Mm -hmm. And I've never been this blah for this long in my whole life. Like I'd always bounce out of it and it's difficult. And I, you know, I, I lost my job in November um, I was in tech, I was in tech marketing. I have had, I mean, it, partially rumor has it was, you know, my name just wasn't exactly clean in, in a Google search. And I was, I spoke publicly and handled, um, you know, some PR stuff and interviews and writing. And it, it just, it's difficult to, uh, to have your name out there like that. And then even now finding a job, like people don't take you seriously, uh, despite the fact I've been a VP for four years in software, like people just don't take you as seriously because, you know, you're, you're on a show. So when I think about that and I think about, you know, all the trauma that came out of it, um, you know, I, I always tell people, I get people that reach out and they're cast or they're thinking about a reality show. And, you know, they say something like, Oh, I relate to you. And, um, you know, I, I just tell them what it is. I don't tell them what to do, but I'm like, here's what you need to actually prepare for. And I have a, a person I've become very good friends with who reached out in October last year, uh, for love is blind in, um, in Charlotte. And she was, I think cast or just about to be cast. And, um, you know, after I told her, I'm like, Hey, you may be ready and you may have done the work and you might be ready to find your husband, but like, there's a chance there's a guy on the other side who took acting lessons and is picking you because he thinks you're going to get him further in the show. Mm -hmm. And then you could sleepwalk your way into a marriage with someone that doesn't really love you and just sees that as a bigger opportunity. Or you could sleepwalk your way into that and get left at the altar because he thinks that he, he joined the show to never get married in the first place. Like you don't know. That's and scary. now that the show's had so many, um, you know, 
seasons that there's just, it's very evident that there's a lot of clout chasing and there was on my season too. Um, so, you know, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying that about Danielle. I a hundred percent believe she was there for the right reasons too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's just, it's hard for me to say yes. Um, I'd love, love to get to a point where I'm like, I learned so much from this. It made me the person that I am today. And I love the person that I am today. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, I joked a little on, on social, like if I were to do, well, I'll never be on another reality TV, show now, <laughs> but like when people would ask if I do perfect match, I'm like, you know, if I did, it would just be, I would just go in there knowing exactly what it was, knowing exactly who was there and why they were there and, you know, maybe loosen up and have some fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like each season that's progressing with Love is Blind, I feel like on the outside, we're getting more of the story line and we're getting more characters, which is scary. We're not getting to really get to know someone as who they should be presented as. It's basically what production. It's really diving into that reality, which is amazing because it brings me back to like, I'm going to age myself, but the old shows of like, you know, Joe Millionaire and how that was such a story and it involves so many people. And then, you know, you see this with The Bachelor and The Bachelor. It's just constantly spinning of how much more can we get? We need more reality. We need more storyline. We need a villain. We need, you know, the favorite. And it's so much putting people in a characteristical bubble versus actually presenting somebody for what the show should have been designed to do. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. I mean, I live now outside of Dallas, Fort Worth. Seeing season three in Dallas was a complete shift from even your season of season two. And seeing the characters that they pulled out, it's it's scary when you see how that's comparing with mental health. So- With you coming out with the You Can Foundation, you're you're very public, and I love that. You're allowing us to be part of this foundation. You're getting a lot of kickback in regards to mental health, and it's so hard, and it's so frustrating to see that because you're doing such an amazing thing for so many people that for those that are listening, use your platform to better the world. And if you're getting dragged down because, oh, you're not taking it for monetization, you're doing it for fit, you're helping people. That's what this foundation is made to do. because production and you know the character building dropped the ball you wouldn't have to do this foundation if they actually provided what was necessary to begin with i don't want to do this <laughs> i'm doing this out of necessity like i i had a moment last year where i was like i'm december 22nd i remember it like it was yesterday i was like i'm going back to normal life i don't want maybe I'm going to leave. Maybe I'm going to get out of a big city and I just, maybe I'll leave the country. I I just don't want to do this anymore. Like it is too hard. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I just, I just couldn't imagine myself doing this and like, these aren't my people and these aren't, this isn't my life. Like I, I care about too many things to like be an influencer or be a reality TV personality. And I just can't take anymore. Like, I just can't take any more of it. And, um, you know, coming out and, and like, for example, I am lucky that my therapist agreed to work something out with me because I don't have insurance right now. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people, and I know of a few from my season alone, that couldn't get help, didn't have insurance, couldn't get it if they, if they had it. They wouldn't be able to take advantage of, of um, you know, having therapy. So... Imagine a scenario where you you don't have to worry about that. Imagine a scenario, and I think it'd be entertaining too, where in Mexico, instead of a big, dramatic, overly edited, which by the way, editing is lying, 
When you Mm -hmm. edit someone out of context, it's lying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, instead of us being in that moment and starting to build these, these unhealthy ways of communicating, because we were stuck in a situation where we had no idea what was going on with one another. Imagine if a counselor stepped in there and helped us navigate that on screen too. Yeah. Like that would be incredibly helpful for people that would be entertaining in its own way because that's real life and that's what it's supposed to be like. But to your point, it's just all like overproduced now and it's escalating and it's getting crazier and crazier. And that's why I said on my Instagram, like, I feel like perfect match is what chat GPT put out when you're like, Hey, create a reality show using all past Netflix personalities. Like that's what it would come up with because it's just Mm -hmm. getting more and more ridiculous and more and more, um, I don't even know what, like this, it's all escalating. Like yeah. it's just so much drama in a negative and way wait until North Carolina, whenever the hell that comes out. Cause there is some crazy stuff going on. I can imagine even going from season three to season four. I mean, it, like I said, it just keeps escalating and it's like, how far are we getting from actual reality? It's not reality. That's not what mm-hmm. we're watching. It's so edited. And I, I love that you made that point. If a counselor came in and versus editing, how powerful would that be for so many that may be watching? I mean, when we watch these types of show, it's basically a checkout and it's a way for us to remove ourselves from our reality and kind of dive into someone else's. So that would be such a powerful shift and it would be so purposeful to have somebody come in and do a workshop almost of, you know, this is a couple's meeting. This is a couple's kind of workshop for you to realize the areas that you need to be fixed, the areas that can help, and then really working on mental health separately and then working at it as a power couple. That would be so powerful. And like we've discussed, I wonder how many relationships would actually function and be healthy versus starting off toxic based on, you know, a 45 minute episode that's going to get more views. That's what it comes down to. And that's exactly, you know, one of the missions of the UCAN Foundation is I want. And so think of it this way, like if you have even a psychologist or a therapist that's on set. And they're paid for by the production company. And I've heard this from other contestants on other shows that do have this. They're still working for production. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, they might be reporting back your state of mind, reporting where they can push you, reporting what scenarios you might thrive in. So I think of it like the NFL does concussion protocols. If you're believed to have a concussion, there's an outside physician that comes in that has to clear someone before they can go back in the game so that the team doctors can't be like, Oh, it's the playoffs. We really need our number one quarterback, like send them back in. So that's how I view my goal here is to have every single reality TV contestant, even if it's funded by the production companies, it's an independent through a tax of some sort. It's an independent contractor, mental health professional that is on set working with each reality cast member or couple pre-show to help them prepare during the show to help them navigate. And then after the show to help them readjust and reassimilate into their real life, because they just drop you back in the day after our wedding. And we were just like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. So we went, we went to, we made plans to go to dinner, but like it, we had already built some toxic habits in our relationship that would just continue on and on. And again, would things be different? I don't know. But if we had that help early on, given the pressure cooker, given how quick you're making, you know, life altering decisions every single day, like it it could have just made a big difference. Mm -hmm. 
I think with reality TV becoming more and more ever popular, even in, in the last three years, I think it really took an onset and got fueled by COVID because so many of us lost that connection, that interpersonal mm-hmm. connection. And now, you know, even with therapy, it's really hard. We're having to do that via telehealth because so many therapists have now gone to that route. And it's something where with mental health, you're only able to get the help for what you're expressing and what you're able to really dive into and work with. Um, For those that are listening, maybe you're going through therapy, but you're not being 100% honest because you're not having that, you know, inner connection with somebody face to face. You're doing it through telehealth. You're doing it through a screen. If you're checking in once a month, that's great. If you're checking in bi-weekly or even weekly, it's fantastic. But it's about being honest and diving in with yourself first and realizing, mm-hmm. hey, this is kind of where I'm, you know, I'm needing assistance and I'm needing help. I mean, I work very closely with a lot of friends and family. And it's something where I say, Are you really truly honest? Or are you just going through that motion of I have a 30 minute or an hour? How long am I getting? Right. It's what you're doing in between those breaks in therapy that's really going to make the difference. I think your UCAN Foundation is coming out at the great time because I feel like reality TV is really vamping, but in such a dangerous and destructive way mm-hmm. for those that are coming out of it. I completely agree. And <clears throat> excuse me, I completely agree. When so I, I, I joke. Jeremy founded this also, and then we have um, another founding board member who's a psychologist, Dr. Isabel Morley. And, um, Jeremy actually had this idea about a year ago and he, he loved to bring this, he loves to bring this up, but he's like, you told me this was never going to work. Now (laughs) (laughs) I did say that, and it was in a little bit of a different iteration. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, it didn't have the same type of, of mental health element to it that I was able to bring in, um, with just my experience and, uh, what, what I want to accomplish. And it is people, again, they think there's just money. There's no money. Unless you go and you shill brands, there is no money. Mm-hmm. Or unless you're a golden child that, you know, Netflix wants to keep paying you to promote other shows and do all of this stuff. Like there is no money. You don't get residuals. Um, you know, like I said, I've been unemployed now for almost six months. I can't find a job. I've applied to over 200 jobs. I've been on probably 15 interviews and um, you know, it, it's, it's challenging. And I'm, ca- I cashed out my 401k because I don't want to lose my condo that I worked my whole life for. So there isn't money. And I, and I won't shill a brand for money. Like mm-hmm. if it's something I use or it's something I believe in, or even if it's something I'm willing to try before doing like no problem there. And those come every so often, which is great, but, um, I'm not going to just shill brands. That's not who I am. And, and I don't want to, uh, break the trust that I have with, with people, but, I think it is coming at the perfect time. And I think that we can really help fill this gap in the, in the space where we're not considering people's mental health. They're not prepping you for what it's like in real life. Once you come out of these shows, you know what the most prep you get, you get a 30 minute call with a psychologist and they tell you, if you get negative comments, delete and block that person. We've all been doing that already since MySpace. Like we know how to, to block people that are mean, that mm-hmm. doesn't teach you like the coping mechanisms to separate it from yourself and, and all that stuff. And we need to equip people with these tools because we've already had suicides off of reality TV and that's a serious matter. And mm-hmm. if we can, we can give one person the resources that they need that they either can't afford because they don't have insurance or they don't have a job or, you know, they've been edited in a completely, and that's another thing. I get a bunch of people that like they ruined me in editing and I don't, you know, I can't feel the same. Like 
they're at editing is lying when you're telling a story that didn't happen in that mm-hmm. way. And we have to, we have to do better as a society and you cannot put the price of fame to be at the expense of someone's mental health. And until we can either force change in the industry, we, we have to provide these services for people. And that's why if you donate to us, I want to be very clear on what that goes to. That does not go to my pocket or anyone on the board's pockets. We are using those uh, donations to fund therapy and counseling for people who don't have the means. We're also building a network of lawyers to help people understand these contracts because you read them and they're 30 pages and you don't understand what the language means and all of that stuff. So you don't really know what you're getting into in a lot of instances. And so giving people just this, this service is, is how we, how we use the donations. Um, there are no salaries. Uh, we're just trying to put together these networks so we can help facilitate people getting connected while we, you know, push for change in the industry and, and, um, you know, hopefully at some point get some sort of, um, SAG equivalent for reality TV personalities. Yeah, it's great. I love what you're doing. So many think nonprofit. And when you tie that with reality TV, they just think, oh, well, they're taking care of the money's there. Nonprofit means you're doing the hard work. There's so much behind the scenes and you're hustling and it's a side job that you're probably more than likely spending more hours in the day trying to get started and funded than you are a regular salary nine to five job. It takes a lot of work and weekends. So I know I work with a lot of companies across the United States and across the world. And when you're watching these shows and realizing, hey, you're coming into a part of my home. I really highly suggest make a difference in your community. Nonprofit means connecting with your community and getting support. And you may not even understand that there's there might be somebody around you that needs that mental health. And it's somebody that, you know, even 10, 15 years ago when reality TV really started to come out, I often wonder about those individuals because mm-hmm. they're almost forgotten about. And it's something where, yeah, I was on a show 10, 15 years ago, but what I have to say, nobody is going to believe. Nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. And I think that your foundation is fantastic for that because you're opening that door for so many that we may not even remember or realize that need the help before mental health was even a topic of conversation. Well, and you, people are terrified. Like the messages I get, they're heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very heavy and they're terrified. And when I ask, can I share this? It's like, yes, but cross out my name, cross out my followers, cross out the name of the show I was on because they're terrified because, you know, they literally can sue you for going against the edit on love is blind for a million dollars each time you go against it. Wow. What? Wow. After they, but you signed up for it. Oh yeah. There's the key. You signed up yeah. for it. This is what you, you asked signed up for. to be lied about through an edit. And I don't, you know, I, and you know, they put stuff in the contract to try and protect against that and whatever to each their own. But like, that's the reality. Editing is lying and you can sign up and, and be your most authentic self. And they can, you know, take a look at one scene and be like, you know what, this person's going to be the villain. And we're going to start putting them in these, you know, extreme situations that aren't suitable for them, that they would never put themselves in, in real life, extract some, some craziness, throw it on another scene. And that's that. So do you feel that you were portrayed well? Um, you know, yes, for the most part, um, I I think that there's obviously a lot of context missing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's so funny and I think it's hilarious that people think I'm like a gossip, which is (laughs) 
like I'm like the only person that doesn't ever talk about the show, like yeah. <laughs> the drama of the show. And, um, you know, there were a couple clips in there that people like hold on to. They have no idea what the context was. Um, but what would happen on the show is I was working. I had a pretty intense job, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't engaged in any of the stuff with the other couples until we all got together. So I was like getting caught up in real life. And so I would ask questions because I just felt like, you know, people weren't taking it as seriously as I thought they should have been, um, or at least as serious as I was taking it. Like you're going to get married or you're not in either way, it's going to be traumatic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt like people weren't um, asking themselves the right questions. So I would ask them questions, um, you know, that I, I just out of the, I guess, curiosity or goodness of my heart or whatever you want to say, I just wanted them to be thinking about these things if they weren't. And so, you know, hearing some of the things um, that I heard and then, you know, some of my responses to them would be totally out of context or lack the initial part of the conversation. Um, so that was probably the only part that I was just kind of like, whatever. But then at the same time, like it did give me an opportunity to realize that like sometimes I, and I know I do this, but like sometimes I'll be quick to react and say something that might be witty or, or um, sarcastic or, um, hyperbole or something. And that mm -hmm. doesn't always come across in the, the way that I mean it. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I think a lot of us, it's sad, but common sense is not so common anymore. So when you're sarcastic mm -hmm. and you're just kind of yourself, it can be, I mean, everybody gets their feelings hurt in such a drastic, right. you know, switch of a flip. So I think it was great how you were, how you came across. Cause for so many of us that I would say have the common sense, that's still alive and running. Uh, we saw you as very much personable and you almost seem to be protective of your space when you see yourself and Danielle as well. When you guys were together in social situations and with the group, you're a part of it, but you could still sense that you had that boundary. You still had that wall that was there of this is not my reality. I'm here and I'm in this experiment, but this is not real life. Like I'm working through this in this moment and I'm working with her and we're a team. But when the camera shut off, like I still have a long way to go when this is over. I think you were really proactive and knowing what was kind of coming up. And then I think with, you know, mixed with mental health, now you're understanding that we have a long way to go in regards to fixing yeah. mental health, which I think the UCAN Foundation is fantastic. It's coming out at the right time. It's necessary. Thank you. It's necessary. And um, I just, again, I just want to tell everyone, like, I, I'm doing this because I feel for people. I'm empathetic. I'm an empath. And I know what my experience was. And I know how I feel. And I know that I was very strong mentally going in. And it still took me. Um, back to to dark places. And I never thought that this would be what I do with my life. Um, but here I am. And every time I do something for the UCAN Foundation, or someone says thank you, or I get one of those DMs from former reality TV um, uh, contestants or casts, and it's like, okay, like keep plowing forward. Um, mm -hmm. Because you're, you know, you got to help people and people need help. Well, I appreciate you coming on today, being vulnerable with us. I know it's hard because with mental health, when you talk about a situation or a scenario, it takes you back to that moment, which is also a progression, but it also can kind of take you back. So I appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And I will put all the information in the description in the bio. If you feel the need, which I think we all feel that need, that we need to help somewhere and make a difference where it counts. 
you know, now, especially with the cost, you can go get a cup of coffee for $10 a day. When you add that up, that's $50 in a week. You can give therapy, mental health to those that really need it. When we think reality TV, they don't have insurance. They Once they're once the show is done, they're off on their own. They're put back out into the world and they are a free for all. So if you really want to donate and put your money where it counts, I will put all the information for UCAN Foundation in the bio in the description. Make a difference because especially with reality TV, when you come out, like you said, we're losing lives. How much is it going to cost in regards to a week of a donation versus actually saving somebody's life that may need that little extra boost and they need the help that's available now? I completely appreciate that and a hundred percent agree. And I also want to say too, like I know the economy is rough right now. We have inflation, we have people starving in our streets, we have people not knowing where their next meal is. Asking for donations is is hard. And if you can't do it, I don't I don't want you to try. But what you can do is you can share this message. You can share the foundation. You can help us spread the word that these people in reality TV are exploited and left for nothing once they've been, uh, once the production companies extracted all they can out of them from a financial perspective. Um, these shows make millions, if not billions of dollars. And then you have people that um, just need support to just get through their, their everyday life. Um, so share it. Um, if you can share it, if you are a mental health professional or you are an attorney and you would like to get involved, visit the website. Um, we have over 200, um, we actually have, have stopped accepting actually mental health for the moment. Cause we have over 200 that we're trying to like process and get into, into our system, um, so that we can start, um, helping people mm-hmm. with them. So uh, I appreciate anybody and any way that you can help, even if it's just sharing a post on social media uh, to to bring up awareness. Because there's, you know, <laughs> I'm going against big reality TV here, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying for me. It's terrifying for other people. And um, the more comfort, more comfortable and normal we make this conversation, the more people that are going to be able to stand up. And that's when we'll actually be able to get some change. I agree. It's always the small squeaky wheels that make that difference. So keep making the noise. I know you're up against a lot and we're not going to name names, but we're up against a lot here. So I am so grateful that you're on. I feel so honored and I cannot wait to see the foundation and how you guys progress and save so many people that really, truly need it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow the little adventures on Instagram at little cute one AZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.